Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus, we welcome you this morning as the great king, the only king. And we pray, Lord, that this morning as we learn more about who you are as Christ the King God, we pray that we sense your presence with us, Lord. We pray that we can leave here this morning feeling just an extra confidence, God, in who you are and who the King is that we serve. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. My name is Kimberly, and I am one of the priests here at Church of the Cross. It is good to be with you all today. This Sunday last year, my family and I were not at Church of the Cross because around one in the morning, we pulled into our driveway in our new home in Pflugerville after having left um, Phoenix, our home of mine of 16 years. My husband was there for 18, our daughter Keenan for all of her life. And so we kind of debated, like, do we go to church this morning? We're really tired. This might be like the last Sunday we have for a long time that I'm not on staff at Church of the Cross. And so we decided to have sort of a lazy Sunday morning. But all of that said, it is really good to be here with you this morning and to be celebrating Christ the King Sunday. I'm going to spend a little bit of time giving some background about about what that means, especially for those of you who might be new to Anglicanism. Um, As I was reading this past week's e-news, Peter titled it, The Wait is Nearly Here, kind of referencing that we are almost to the season of Advent, which means that today, Christ the King Sunday, is the last day of the church calendar, the last day of the church year. And so we're in this time where sort of the the end and the beginning kind of butt up against each other. It's especially important, I think, to recognize that and to sort of be in this celebratory mood as we head into this season of Advent, which really is a time of waiting It's a time that we find ourselves remembering today who Christ is, and then moving into Advent, where we'll be anticipating and waiting for for Christ's birth. It's a season of waiting and longing and listening for the coming of our Lord. It actually feels a bit countercultural to wait and slow down. There's so much busyness around us, and if you think especially of kind of as Thanksgiving approaches and Christmas and all of that, it tends to be a very busy time, especially I think for us as Americans, like we're kind of overcome with consumerism and parties and all of the things. And so it's important to recognize that as Christians, there's something distinct about the season that we are heading into. After what feels like an especially busy year for Church of the Cross too, it feels important to celebrate Christ and who he is and all that he has provided for us as our King and our Lord of Lords, but also just to slow down. It's been a year of lots of new staff, staff transitioning out, a year of purchasing a building, the Thanks Be to God campaign, celebrating so many baptisms, the Coelho sabbatical, a season of just real busyness. And so today we celebrate and are rooted in who Christ is, and then we head into the season of a slowing down. It's a preparation and a reminder of who this king is, whose birth we will be preparing for. And each year we get to reflect and celebrate the meaning of Christ's reign here and now over the church, the world, and our own lives, our everyday lives. 
Repetition is something that our daughter, Keenan deeply appreciates. She loves to listen to and sing the same songs on repeat. Some of you may be able to relate to that. At one point in time, that was when voice lessons came in handy. There was so much singing of the same songs over and over. Later this morning, we'll sing the song, His Kingdom Now Has Come. Well, when she first heard my husband Steve playing and singing that song, it was like never-ending, on repeat, constantly. So you guys will remember that as we sing that song this morning. She watched the movies Encanto and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse countless times, and she has scenes from podcasts and books memorized. It always makes us laugh the amount of times that she can read the same book or watch the same movie. But there is something to be said for repetition and rhythms. I think she's probably on to something that we oftentimes maybe forget as adults. We get busy and don't necessarily want to do the same things over and over. But knowing that each year we get to celebrate the same holidays and the same feast days, there's something sacred about that. And in the case of Jesus and his story, while we know the end of the story, there is something sacred about walking through it each year and through the church calendar. And when it comes to a good story like that of Christ the King, who doesn't want to hear it? over and over again. Given the state of the world today, it seems to me to be especially important to observe and to ponder just what sort of king Jesus is. Is being the operative word as Christ was, is, and ever shall be. In our scripture readings today, there seems to be a bit of a theme around God's salvation, especially in the midst of crisis. In the Old Testament reading from Jeremiah, the people of Israel, they're facing destruction, brought on by the failure of the establishment. In the reading from Jeremiah, Jeremiah talks of a king, a future king, who will be raised up. It says that he will be wise and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in our reading from Psalm 46, notice how God is the place of protection for the people in their despair. He doesn't send them to another place. It is God the person God, our Father, who is their place of refuge. Verse 1 says, God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble. In these Old Testament readings, there is a tone of confidence in the promises of God, the promises of God's coming justice and a call to work and faith toward that promise coming justice. And then in Colossians, there's this vision offered of the coming king. He is the one we should trust, not despite the cross, but because of it. Verses 13 and 14 say, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And this points us to our gospel reading from Luke this morning. Because these verses from Luke seem to focus on humiliation and the crucifixion, they might feel like an odd choice for Christ the King Sunday, this day of celebration, proclaiming who Jesus is. But even in his final moments, we see these clear reminders of who Jesus is and how he saves us in the midst of crisis. The identity of Jesus as Messiah, it is a key theme throughout the book, throughout the book of Luke, And the crucifixion is the moment at which Jesus is either confirmed in his mission or rejected. This reading, it is a reminder that the reign of God comes in the shape of a cross, not a sword or a throne or unjust power like we often see wielded by the powerful in our world. Save yourself 
were the words of the Roman soldiers who were mocking Jesus. They must have been perplexed to witness someone known by others as king of the Jews hanging on a cross and being crucified. It's important to note that the Roman crucifixion was only perpetrated on people of lower classes and those who were not Roman citizens. So if Jesus was to royalty, he would not have been crucified on a cross. And even if somehow Jesus had ended up on the cross, he would have had the power, the authority to make sure that it didn't happen. So the soldiers likely mocked him because it was obvious that he could not have been the person, the king that he claimed to be. While ironic, the passage is the story of the crucified Christ. It is the story that we need to hear time and time again. Jesus is the only king to overcome the grave. In these passages, we see the culmination of how Rome treats defeated kings with a public performance of humiliation. But what they did not realize was that their actions, they worked into the story of God. A few verses before today's gospel reading, we read that Jesus was crucified between two criminals who were rightfully condemned. And one of the criminals joins in the mocking with the Roman soldiers, but the other one, he recognizes Jesus's innocence. And as we read today, we see that he begs for mercy. And Jesus, in the supreme act of his own identity, he receives the confession with a message of hope. He offers grace and forgiveness from a position of authority and love. He is in a dehumanizing position, hanging on a cross in the last moments of his life, but he is not dehumanized. In fact, it is just the opposite. Jesus humanizes and personalizes the situation, establishing his continuing confidence in God's mission and the mission that he was sent for and that we too are called to. He says, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This prisoner's announcement of Jesus' innocence, it is unique to Luke's gospel, and it seems that Luke wishes to stress the innocence of Jesus, our king. And when talking about Jesus as a king, it likely prompts us to contemplate the kind of king that he is and what it means to live and thrive under his reign. Even for those who are not practicing Christians, there is often at least some type of recognition that this Jesus guy is not your typical king and that his kingdom is no ordinary place. I was raised in the Unitarian Universalist Church. How I went from that to being an Anglican priest is a story for another time. But even in the church that I grew up in, a place where the Trinity was not recognized and where much of what was taught was how to live a good and ethical life, but not according to Jesus and his reign, there was still this recognition and an appreciation for the type of life and the type of leader and ruler that Jesus was. When you think of a king, what image immediately comes to mind? Perhaps a man wearing a crown and regal clothing. Maybe somebody who is powerful, living in a royal palace. Perhaps the late Queen Elizabeth and her stoicism and long, steady reign. Or perhaps for those of us who enjoy fiction, T'Challa, the superhuman wise king of Wakanda, might come to mind. In the time of Jesus, the ruling monarch of Rome had absolute power on earth and was worshipped as the son of the gods. Any challenge to Caesar's authority would be swiftly dealt with. In ancient Israel, the king was not only the head of the state, but also served as a type of high priest. 
The Jews of Jesus' time, they longed for a day that the Messiah would come and deliver them from their oppressors. And it was in a time of turmoil and crisis that Jesus was born and crucified. Jesus, a poor carpenter, born in an obscure Middle Eastern town called Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, he could hardly be confused with being a king. He was nothing like these ruling monarchs of the time. He was nothing like any king that they had ever known. There was nothing regal about him. He was more often found with those in society who were looked down upon, Samaritans, lepers, tax collectors, fishermen, women of ill repute, the poor, and those marginalized by the ruling class. We see this even in today's reading from Luke, where in fact he spent his last minutes of his life between two criminals, forgiving one of them. He called 12 ordinary men to be his helpers. He had no money. He didn't write any books. He didn't have a podcast, nothing special. He commanded no army, and he wielded no political power. During his life, he never traveled more than 200 miles in any direction. At best, Jesus could have easily been confused with the many other zealots of the day. In our gospel reading, the sign on the cross above his head read, This is the King of the Jews. It was not meant to honor him. Rather, it was meant as a joke, an insult. Simply put, it labeled Jesus as a traitor. And it was a reminder to future rebels that what, await, what awaited them if they resisted the Roman Empire. To the average person, Jesus was no king. But a man whose life in ministry was cut short. He was young when he died. But his journey to kingship, it began on the cross in accordance with God's will for humanity. And so that is why today's gospel reading feels ironic in a sense, because we are witnessing, we are hearing about the death of Jesus, but we are also reminded that this is actually what Jesus was sent for. In him we find the true king, the one who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God, a thing to be clutched at, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. The fact that Christ's reign has broken into this world is good, good news especially to those on the fringes of society. Jesus is not simply just another ruler or the same type of, does not wield the same type of power exercised by human rulers. He reigns in a way that embraces the whole world, and he is for the whole world. No one is excluded. He is without a doubt powerful, but the power that he possesses is unlike any of this world. As we celebrate Christ as king, it's important to consider what kind of power we worship. As practicing Christians, we say that we follow Christ and that that is the power that we worship, but we are easily distracted by the powers and principalities of this day. And so it is important to consider the type of power that we worship, but then also how that power informs the ways in which we participate in the world. Do we worship power like that of Jesus that is humble, peaceful, sacrificial? Or do we worship power that is dominant, self-serving, violent? The type of power that we worship, it inevitably informs the way in which we go about leaving. It inevitably informs our witness to others. In some ways, Christ the King is a title that might strike a bit of tension because, as we've been learning, Jesus, he has no resemblance to the kinds of earthly leaders or kings like the ones Jeremiah condemns, who destroy and scatter the sheep. Christ does not scatter, destroy, and divide. Rather, he heals, 
prepares, gathers, and unites everyone in everything. He reconciles all things to himself. There's so much that we can say about Christ the King. But today, as we move toward closing, I would like to focus on Jesus as a subversive king and why that is good news to us in this room, to people outside of this room, and especially to those who may find themselves in the fringes of society. Jesus is a king whose rule sought to establish the upside-down kingdom, one that is different than anything anyone had ever seen or has ever seen. He came to turn everything upside down, to subvert the status quo. For most of us, our notions of king and royalty, they look nothing like that type of king that Jesus is. Much of the way that Jesus lived his life, it would be strange for an everyday person, much less somebody who is a king and powerful. He wouldn't be a very good political candidate today or a job applicant. The things that he would list out that were his qualifications or his skills are nothing that we would necessarily see as impressive or mighty. He earned his kingship by first becoming a servant of all. And he taught his disciples that if you want to become great, you must first become a servant. He washed his disciples' feet, fed the hungry, took pity on those who suffered, ate with sinners, forgave sins, spoke out against injustice, challenged the status quo, and welcomed the social outcast. He also took a mantle of poverty. All of this despite the fact that he existed in the form of God. Jesus did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped and held on to and drawn into himself, but he became human and lived among those deemed unworthy and marginalized by society. He challenged the Roman Empire and the Pharisees. He pursued economic justice for the marginalized and chose a way of nonviolence. All these things went against what was expected of a king and would go against what is expected today of a king or a governor or a president. He was executed as a rebel by the establishment who found him too great a threat. The God of the entire universe was killed as a criminal on a cross, hanging between two felons. It was the ultimate act of subversive love and vulnerability. And that one beautiful act, it changed everything. It changed everything for us today and for those to come. Jesus had to learn humility through his obedience to God's will, obedience even unto death on a cross. He is no ordinary king. He is the suffering Messiah, one who came into the world and dwelt among humanity, being tempted in all things but without sin. God sends his glory into the world in the form of slavery, humiliation, suffering, and death on a cross. And Jesus, his mission, it is one that seeks to overthrow the established laws and systems. And as his people and his followers, we get to seek those things too in our mission. He knew that the fathers, why the Father sent him into the world, and he fully aligned himself with this mission. Everything that Jesus did, everything he taught, everything that is recorded of his life in the Gospels, it focused on accomplishing the mission for which he was sent. He was not sent to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him might be saved. Jesus proclaimed the Gospel. He made disciples, and he established his church, and then he sent his followers to do the same. Unlike other rulers, he was a peaceful king, and in this way too, he subverted the systems and structures of the day. In his power, 
He is not dominant. He does not manipulate and impose himself by force, but he serves by sharing himself. The peace that Jesus offers, it is not the same that the peace, the same peace that the world offers us. While the peace of the world oftentimes is referring to removing us from any type of conflict or tension, Jesus says that he will be present with us. And that is the peace that he offers us. That even in states of crisis and chaos and uncertainty, he is in full control and present. Jesus enriches our lives, offering a place of refuge and strength. He never leaves his people, and it is through him and his self-giving love that all things are reconciled. Because these things and so much more are true about Jesus, we can rest assured that God is with us, not just in moments of great joy and celebration, but also in moments of deep pain and crisis. God is not afraid of conflict, sadness, uncertainty. There's nothing that we will bring to him that will shock or surprise him or cause him to walk away from us. This is the king that we serve. This is the king that rules us. And so as we head into this Advent season, this season of waiting, of slowing down, remembering who Jesus is, we are reminded today of his death and that we are also moving toward his birth. Let us remember that Jesus was not elevated to king status in order for us to dress him in regal robes and a crown and to place him far above humanity. Rather, his kingdom is not of this world. The least in this world are considered the greatest in his kingdom. Our king is no ordinary king. He rules the world in righteousness and judges people with equity. He is present to us in crisis. He has put all things under his subjection. Christ the King has shown us the way to God through sacrifice and humility. His is not a story of power and might and prestige, and it is not through these means that we will get to the end of the story. We too must follow his path of downward mobility, humility, and love. God is faithful to death and beyond, and we celebrate that today through Christ the King, who was and is and is to come. We get to be assured that this is the king that we serve and that in these moments today and as we head into the season of Advent, Christ is present with us unlike any king we have ever served. And we get to be joyful and celebratory in that. Amen.